Well, this morning, as we come to this next part in John, it's actually one of my favorite passages um, because not only of what happens in the passage, because of how, um, I guess, this, to not be too punny, but how earthy <laughs> the passage is. And it's the passage where Jesus takes his spit and mixes it with mud and puts it on somebody's eyes um, to heal them. And so this morning as I was preparing, um, I realized that I had forgotten my sermon illustration. <laughs> I forgot my glasses. So I had to tell my wife, can you please make sure um, to bring my glasses with me? Um, I've been wearing glasses for about a year, um, but obviously my vision was changing long before that. And I knew it was changing, but I did what a lot of people do, right? And didn't go to the doctor, put it off and said, oh, I can, I can manage, I can see fine, I can work with it. But one day I was actually installing a ceiling fan um, in our house and I was up on the ladder and I couldn't see the screw that I was trying to screw in. And I thought, oh, it must not be very light in here. It must be really dark. I mean, I should probably go get a flashlight. So I went out in the garage and I got my headlamp and I turned it on, and I climbed back up the ladder, and I still couldn't see the screw. And so I thought, oh, man, what am I going to do? And so as I stepped a step down the ladder, I realized, oh, now I can see the screw. <laughs> okay? And then I stepped a step back up the ladder and went, oh, I can't see it at all. <laughs> and so I finally realized and thought, it is time for me um, to go to the eye doctor and get this taken care of. And of course, when I went to the eye doctor, they said, oh, you have presbyopia, right? And I said, I know what that means. <laughs> I have old eyes or getting, getting older eyes. And so I got my prescription and got my glasses. And the most interesting thing to me about things at that point is that not only did I finally admit I need to do something about this. Um, I have a limitation that I need to work with. Um, but when I actually got my glasses, um, there are no line bifocals because I can still see, for the most part, fine distance-wise, but not so much close up. What I wasn't prepared for was how hard it was going to be for me to adjust to having the glasses because every time I would look down, <laughs> I would get dizzy and think I was going to fall or couldn't see because of my eyes were still not adjusted to the fact that when I looked far, things were just fine. But when I tried to look further away, down or close up, everything was blurry. And so as I talked to other people about that, I was also amazed at how many people gave up on even wearing their glasses because of that adjustment period and how long it took for that to happen and for them to, to say, oh, you know what, this isn't worth it. I'm just going to go back to not um, having glasses. And so they would, and so I, from hearing that from people, just stuck it out and thought, okay, I got to keep wearing these um, until I get used to it. And now um, it's, it's wonderful <laughs> because I can not only see close up when I look down without having to grab something out of my pocket, um, but I can see far away. And that is the lens through which, oh, come on, I'm, there's supposed to be at least a groan, a le the lens through which we're supposed to look at this passage together this morning. So would you please join me um, in hearing the word of the Lord um, from John 9, 13 through 34. 
they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind, and the one that Jesus healed with the mud made from his spit. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. And therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? And so they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one who you say was born blind? And how is it that he now can see? And he is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God and tell the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> then they hurled insults at him and said, you are his fellow disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Then the man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God, God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. And thus far, the word of the Lord. So this whole passage, this whole section of John, this whole event starts with this encounter with this blind man and the disciples asking Jesus a question. Who sinned that this man was born blind? His parents or him? Who sinned? Right? And does anybody remember Jesus' response? No one sinned, Jesus says, neither him nor his parents, but this happened to happen so that God might be glorified in and through it. And so one of the things that this passage begins to get us to wrestle with is what is 
sin all about? How does the universe really work? And what does that then mean for us and for our response to Jesus? Because far too often, not only people of the Christian faith, but people of all kinds of other worldviews as well, have this understanding of the universe as a cause and effect. You put in the right thing, you get the right thing out. You put in the wrong thing, you get the wrong thing out or you get something bad out. And Jesus tells us it's a little more complicated than that. Those of you who were in Andy's class this morning about chaos theory got a little taste of that. And how complicated things become. Because sin is not just an action. It's a condition. It's not just a behavior, but it affects the very fabric of our being, the very fabric of the universe. And so you can't, Jesus says, just make this one-to-one correlation of sin to punishment, sin to this effect on this man's health, his sight. The universe doesn't quite work that way, Jesus tells us. Not only because of the fall and the way that it's affected everything, but because of God and his grace and his activity and what he is doing in the world. Because the next thing that Jesus says after no one sinned is, I am the light of the world. Anyone who sees right, sees through me. And so light, we should realize there, not only has to do with the ability to see, right? Because we all know that we need light to see. But John's gospel starts in the beginning, was the word. And Genesis starts, in the beginning God said, let there be be light. In other words, what's happening in this encounter with this blind man is recreation at work. God at work restoring and renewing and putting things right. And this blind man is one picture of that happening. And so the Pharisees come along And they're concerned about how did Jesus do this? Interestingly, isn't it, how much they keep asking, well, how did this happen? Well, how did this happen? And the man keeps responding, well, I don't know that, but I do know this. (laughs) I don't know that, but I do know this. And he keeps telling them that this is what he did at first. He says, I don't even know who it was or where he is. Right? And then later he encounters Jesus in a way where he realizes. So Jesus says, he says, who is the son of man? And Jesus, as he does with several other encounters, then I who am speaking to you am he. And the man comes to faith. But the Pharisees are still stuck on 
Well, he made mud on the Sabbath. And so what does that mean for our understanding of the law and who God is and how God works and how can we reconcile that with what Jesus is doing? Because it seems like God is somehow at work I'm in and through him, but it doesn't look like we are used to or we want to. It doesn't fit with the way that we've come to understand things and what it means um, to keep the law. And that's because new life is hard to adjust to sometimes. Sometimes it breaks into our world in ways that are unexpected, that shatter categories and break down barriers, and it's hard to adjust to. It's hard to get used to that. And so some of us put on those glasses and we look down and we get dizzy and we can't see and we think, I don't want to do this. I'm just going to go back to living without glasses and to not really being able to see things clearly because we have such a hard time making that adjustment. So how can we see rightly And how can we see Jesus when he shows up to bring new life, a new creation into our lives and into the lives around us? Well, interestingly, this passage gives us one of the best ways um, I think that we can do that. And it's part of the comical part of the passage, but it's also a detail that we often just skip over. And it's that whole thing of the Pharisees keep asking, how did this happen And here's what we know that we know for sure. And because they're so fixed on what they know, they're not able to see past it. But the man and even his parents keep saying, well, we don't know that, but this is what we do know. I don't know how it happened, but I know that I can see. I don't know where he is, but I know it was the man who they call Jesus. And then at the very end of the passage, the part after we read, like I said, the man learns even more fully who Jesus is and what that means, and he worships him. Because Jesus is God incarnate, fully human, and fully God to come to bring new life into the world. And the Pharisees miss it like we so often do because they're so stuck on what they know that they know. So if we would see Jesus rightly and see him show up and see that new life breaking into the world around us, one of the first things we need to do is be willing to go to the doctor (laughs) Be willing to say, I have a limitation. I can't know this fully. Lord, help me know more fully because my knowledge is limited. I am limited. I am flawed and fallen. But then we also need to hold on to what we do know. And the problem is is that so often we think that what we do know... (laughs) And what is certain is actually far beyond 
where we can actually go. And so we need to be honest about what it is that we really do know. I know this and that I can see. And we need to be willing to take things off in one step at a time, not seeing what's next until we get there, until we take that next step up the ladder and then we say, oh, now I can see that clearly. May Jesus break new life into your life um, and into our world, and may we see it and by acknowledging what we don't know and humbly holding on um, to what we do know so that we may see rightly and not miss it. May it be so. Amen.